0: Ephesians chapter five. We're we'll continuing our series on the modern family, um, and we've been talking about uh, the journey of the family in American culture. Uh, it's a long way from from Leave It to Beaver to uh, t- to reality TV, and we've just kind of signified that family evolution, uh, wh- whatever it might be, uh, by these TV families that have sort of been put in front of us from the 1950s uh, up until now, across the last 60 years, you've seen how the family's radically changed, and uh, TV shows oftentimes reflect that change. I don't think they necessarily cause it or lead it, but, but they reflect it, uh, and sometimes there's agendas inside it that certainly don't have a good effect, a good impact on the family, but nevertheless... Uh, the family has uh, trouble all its own without without the help of TV. But as we look into this this week's message, uh, the role of the husband and the wife have been challenged and redefined again and again uh, and again and again. And I, I was thinking what a shame it is that so many of us, too many of us, enter marriage with, with very little idea what our role is. What role are we supposed to play? What are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to feel? And uh, when we enter marriage I I think in American society today so many of us enter so unprepared. Uh, And and I don't think it has to be that way I just think that's the way it unfortunately has been. Too many times when we come into marriage we we end up by default playing the role that society is handed to us or we play the role uh, uh, that comes from our family of origin, and sometimes that's bad, and, and sometimes it's good. Uh, sometimes we play the role that's just an extension of our own uh, personal needs and, and desires. And sometimes it's just, it's just this confusing conglomeration of all of those things. But if you ever stop to ask yourself, what is, what is my God-given role inside marriage? And even, even if you're a single person, I'd say it's actually better today. If you're a single person, to start now asking that question. What is my God-given role in marriage? What has God defined for me to do? What does God to expect of me? Now fortunately, God has clarified in His Word exactly exactly what our role in the family is. But let me back up for a minute and and uh, and give you the big picture, give you the big stage that this... Uh, this activity of marriage is played out on. See, God has made up his mind on, on something that he's never going to change his mind on. He is absolutely 100% set in and, and heaven or hell or, or life or death or angels or demons or, or nothing in the past, nothing in the future, nothing in the present, nothing's ever going to change his mind on this. He loves you. He absolutely, completely, totally, unconditionally loves you. Now that's the good news. The bad news is, his extravagant love poured out on your life has made you a prime target of Satan. His love on your life, his extravagant love on your life, like, like a magnet, draws the attack of the enemy to you. And the enemy hates everything God loves. Everything that's pure, everything that's holy, everything that's healthy, <laughs> everything that's strong, everything whether there's life, the enemy wants to enact death on it. And so, so as God pours His love on us, it, it, it uh, most of us are unaware when we come into the kingdom that it begins to attract the eye of the enemy in a new way. Now the way that I understand Scripture is that one of Satan's greatest strategies then is to attack marriage. Because when he divides... Us, he conquers us. So right in the center of this battle that goes on between God's love for us and Satan's animosity toward that love uh, attacking us in the middle is marriage. Satan doesn't even need to get his hands around the church or bother with it if he can just capture the marriage. If he gets the marriage, the church is done. It's gone. It is the fun... Genesis was not the birth of the church. Genesis was the birth of marriage. The church didn't come along until centuries later. Millennia later. But, but, but the marriage was there as a revelation of God's glory. Now, the enemy attacks, broken marriages, and broken covenants bring spiritual, physical, and emotional bondage. Now, l- now, let me give you three reasons this morning, just kind of as a side note, that I think Satan attacks marriage so specifically. Satan attacks marriage because God's wisdom is revealed in marriage, and Satan wants nothing more than to make God look foolish. You've heard the statistic. Well, 50% of all marriages are, are end in divorce, so marriage is a failed experiment. And Satan loves it because in some people's eyes it makes God and his way look foolish. And I I just want you to know that he attacks it because God has chosen to speak to this world of his wisdom through the mystery of the union of the husband and the wife. The second thing is, is the mystery of Christ's relationship to the church is revealed in marriage. In other words, the way God does relationship between Christ, the head of the body, and the body, is revealed in the marriage. And so the enemy wants to dilute, he wants to pollute, he wants to frustrate, he wants to bring confusion at the point where, the, where God has chosen to reveal his own relational nature and self. The third reason I believe that the enemy attacks marriage so viciously is because it may be the greatest. But I'm at least willing to say. It's one of the greatest places of agreement on earth. The agreement between husband and wife. Walking in spiritual agreement. Defeats the enemy. And if he cannot divide you. He cannot win. First Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Husbands in the same way. Be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Let there be agreement. Let there be be serving. Let there be consideration. Let there be respect. Let there be uh, love because when you bind together in that way of agreement, your prayers are not hindered. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers are mighty. The prayers of a couple in spiritual agreement are powerful. And the enemy knows it. And he wants to wreck that agreement. Now, as we look, begin to zero in now into the uh, the book of Ephesians... What I want to do this morning, if you're taking notes, you might want to jot these down. I, I'm, I've am i been playing with an outline for the book of Ephesians. That helps me. I'm not saying it's the complete commentary on it. I'm just sort of playing with it. It's not polished. It's not done. But let me give you a simple outline for the book of Ephesians. So that when we zero in on chapter 5. And we hear what Paul had to say. About husbands and wives will understand the broader context of the book. If you're taking notes, Ephesians is the is the field guide for the Christian family in a spiritual battle. Chapter 1 through 3 of Ephesians talks about uh, the nature of the new birth that we have in Christ and the, and the, and the character of the new kingdom. That we come into. In other words if you read Ephesians 1 through 3. You're going to read about. uh, How Christ has provided. New birth for us. And what that new kingdom. That we enter into upon that new birth. Is like. So. We're born into a kingdom by Christ's power. And this new kingdom is a kingdom of worship. It is the dominant realm in the entire universe where Christ wants to reveal His glory. Now I know these are haughty and high, high terms. But stay with me and I think when we get to the marriage it's going to make sense. This is the place where God wants to reveal His glory. In this new kingdom, this kingdom is a kingdom where He's king. It's a, it's a kingdom where He's worshipped. And where he's worshiped, he wants to reveal his glory. Now, when you go to chapter four through about chapter five and a half, the church is the context. Uh, let's call the church the school of worship. It is where we go to school to learn about this kingdom of worship, about this king, and how to reflect the character of Christ in our own life. That, that's what chapter four through five and a half is about. When you get to five and a half to six and a half, that's the stretch where we're going to zero in this morning and talk about marriage and the family. Five and a half to six and a half is about the marriage, about family, and about relationships as the primary place where God has chosen to reveal His glory. God has chosen to reveal His glory in marriage, in family, and and in family relationships. And that's why the enemy hates the family. He despises it. He hates it. He'll do anything he can to tear it down. Why, why would there be another environment that, where God would reveal His glory primarily? Why should there be? We do most of our living in the context of our family. We do most of our crying there. We do most of our grieving. We do most of our vacationing. We do m- most of our rejoicing. We do most uh, many of our meals we share the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows together by text, by email, by relationship at the dinner table, in the car, traveling on the way. Most of our life is lived in the context of the family. Why wouldn't God want to reveal His glory there? He's not foolish, He's wise. It's not when we, it's not when we pack up our car and get all dressed up. You can put your church face on in here. Enemies not worried about you here. Actually, in some ways, you're on the sideline. When you go back to the family, now you're back where the rubber hits the road. Now you're back where things break or rise in victory. And what God wants to do is reveal His glory right there. Right there. Now, if you take Ephesians 6 and a half, To the end of the chapter, you'll see that that portion defines the spiritual battle that we're in and the weapons that God has given us to be mighty in that battle. So you know that this section is about finally, having done all stand, take on the full armor of God that you may be able to withstand the fiery darts of the enemy. I think, though, have you ever seen a movie where they start with an opening scene and then the rest of the movie builds back up to that scene? That's what I think Ephesians 6 is. I think it's actually what the book of Ephesians is about, but it lays the groundwork on how this kingdom is a, king, a kingdom of worship. This kingdom is ruled over by a king who has authority. This this king requires certain um, <coughs> a certain new life, provides a new life, and... and And requires a new life for us to live in. And then he puts it in the context of the family. But then he builds right back up to the beginning and says. But there's an enemy in this kingdom. And we are in a spiritual battle. So I've said all that. To bring you to Ephesians chapter 5. 21. In the middle of a war. Where the forces of darkness have brought about a strategic focus on marriage. What is the role of the husband. That's how I think you have to hear Ephesians. We looked last week, what is the role of the wife? This week, let's talk about, look, what's the role of the husband? Last week, we said, wives, respect your husbands. This week, we say, husbands, love your wives. Now, that might sound simple, but (laughs) that's more complicated than it sounds. Ladies, you got to give us a break. We have farther to go than you do. I mean, when we're little boys and we see a little girl on the playground that we like, we'll just go punch her. I like you. Throw the ball at her and go, why didn't she like me? Hit her in the face with the ball. I threw it hard, too. She said, see how strong I am and like me. She's thinking, I hate that dirty boy. We stuff a little frog in our pocket that we caught as a special gift for her Later. We've got further to go. We've got to move past our primal instinct to kill something for dinner and bring it home. There's a whole nother world that we've got to enter in. And most of us men, if not all of us, if we'll admit it, come up in life looking through eyes saying, How do I love this alien creature? What does she want? For the love of God, what does she want? Just tell me what you want and I'll give it to you. She can't tell you because it changes. God knowing that we needed more help has left a longer instruction section for us. I was listening to Focus on the Family years ago and I heard a statement that has stuck with me all these years. And I and I have to say to you, I believe it with my whole heart. A man becomes a man when he becomes tender to a woman. That is not in our childhood DNA. We have to grow into that. So let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, 21. And let's look at what the role of the husband is. And, and, and then let's look at... Uh, 21, 25 through 28. Chapter 5, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. The same, uh, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. The same command is given for husband and wife alike. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish. But holy and blameless. In this, in this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. In the next few minutes, I want to walk you through the phrases of that passage. And take from it direct instructions... From the, from the scripture on what is the role of the husband understanding that the marriage is under great spiritual attack. Understanding that we have an enemy that can't wait to get his hands around our marriage so that he might destroy it. Well, we know last week that we basically said she must, the wife must submit to her husband in unconditional respect as the pastor leader of the family. He must submit to his wife with unconditional love and serving her as Christ loved the church. A lot of times, I think we say, I love my wife. I mean, I feel in my soul great endearment and love for her, but what do I do? How, how do How do I show that? If you're taking notes this morning... And I want to encourage husbands to take notes this morning. Verse 25 says, I'm I'm going to give you five directives. The first one comes from verse 25. Gave himself up for her. You see, we read this passage to say, this is the way that Christ interacted with the church. What I want to say to you is, Christ's relationship to the church and the husband's relationship to the wife is so intertwined in this passage that everything you read means both. And so if it says Christ Christ acted this way toward the church, then you can understand that is husbands ought ought to treat their wives that way. So when the Bible says that husbands ought to love their wives as Christ loved the church... And we usually stop there and we don't know what the rest of that says. Because the rest of it says how? And gave himself up for her. This models Christ's redemptive love. It is gave himself up for her. In other words, how do I love my wife? Sacrifice for her. The question that I want you to ask yourself if you're a husband this morning. When is the last time that you sacrifice something for your wife? And what was it? Not gave her something that cost you nothing. I don't mean monetarily. It might have been that. You might have done without something to save the money to buy her something. But it doesn't have to be bought. It could be energy. It could be effort. It could be thought. It, It could be affirmation. It could be affection. It could be something you did intentionally. When's the last time you sacrificed something for your wife? So first off, if I'm going to love my wife, if I'm going to fulfill my role, if I'm going to receive my God-given assignment as a Christian husband, then that takes on the nature of sacrificial love. I've got to sacrifice myself for her. I've got to give up from my life for her the way Christ gave Himself up for me. Here's the second one in verse 26. Gave Himself up for her and and make her holy. Holy. Do you know what the word "holy" in in the New Testament means? The concept is set apart for God's purposes. Set apart for God's purposes. Sacrifice myself for her and and set her apart for God's purposes. Holy means that you that you have been set apart for God's for for ministry for, in, for intentional acts. So I'm saying to you this morning: What if you begin to see the purpose? of marriage, and you begin to see your role as the husband in your marriage as God's plan to help your wife find her God-given purpose. So the hard question this morning is, forget what your wife knows, do you know your wife's God-given purpose? On earth, outside the marriage. We know what our purpose inside the marriage is. Do you know what our purpose outside the marriage in the kingdom is? And God has given the husband to the wife, and part of his role is to help discern what her what her purpose on earth is. make her holy, set her apart for her ministry. What has God gifted her with? What is her personality? How has God designed her what Do you know those things? Have you helped try to support around the edges? Have you helped try to invest in her development, and her God-given purpose on earth to make her holy. Number three, verse 26 says, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. What could that possibly mean to a husband? Husbands are to cleanse their wives. Now think about this for a minute. Husbands are to cleanse their wives' mind and spirit by the washing through the Word. If you look in the Greek, the word, word, here, washing of the Word. We know we're talking about the Scripture, but the Greek word is rhema. It means the spoken Word of God. The husband is called, his God-given assignment in the marriage is to cleanse his wife's mind and emotions and spirit through by the spoken word of God. By the Rama, So that, now think about how brilliant God is here. Husbands are to speak, the, speak words of love and forgiveness and affirmation. Isn't it amazing how God has done this? Women are verbal. Men are visual. What God has done is given us as the husband an assignment to speak to her in her own language. She is a communicator. And the husband says, God says to the husband, if you're going to love her as I've loved you, speak the rhema to her. Communicate to her. Speak to her. Talk to her. Affirm her. Build her up. Speak God's word to her. Uh, About a month ago, I was on the way out the door somewhere, and and, uh, (laughs) our house was up in arms. The tension was high, we were frustrated. And, and I, can, I can remember just something in my spirit just saying stop. And I stopped. And I looked at Stacy, my wife. And she was so burdened. And I can remember just stopping for a minute and looking at her and saying. I am so sorry for the weight that you're carrying right now. I'm so sorry. It's heavy. And it's not, and it's not fair. And I'm sorry it's on you. But I want you to know something. I love you, and you're an absolute angel. And I could see, I could see the tension begin to drain out of her body. Because when you, when you fulfill, none of us will fulfill it perfectly. None of us will fulfill it all the time. But in those moments, husbands, you fulfill your God-given assignment as a Christian husband you will speak life to your wife and you will cleanse her with the rhema. You will speak words of affirmation over her and confidence over her and security over her and you will leave her with a sense that all things work together for the good of those that love God. You'll leave her with a sense of confidence that she is going to be okay and she's going to be safe because you've given her God's word that says that she's going to be okay and that she's going to be safe and, and, that, and that God is for her and not against her. Now, I, I, I want you to think about it like this: I think the great American sin among husbands is just to take their wives for granted. In other words, we we move at such a phenomenal pace that those <coughs> that we count on the most and those closest to us are oftentimes most taken for granted. And I think. A lot of times that's where the the sin of the American husband (laughs) happens. But speaking words of appreciation and kindness and affection, words that that build her spirit up and speak to her inner beauty, words of forgiveness and grace uh, begin to transform, begin to cleanse her system. It's It's not... we don't have the ability to forgive sin. I'm not saying that. It, it's just that all of us have junk from life and from culture and from, and from living on earth that attaches itself to us and gets clogged up. And when we fulfill our role to speak God's word of his destiny, of his purposes, of his love, of his affirmation of our wife, it breaks some of that junk up and it, and it begins to free them. Let me ask you this question. What if your wife only became what you said about her? Now think about the way you talk to your wife. And answer this question. What if she only became what you said to her? Who would she be? It's a hard question, isn't it? And it challenges us to speak differently. I'm not saying that's 100% true, but I promise you it's not 100% false. In some part or another, your wife will become what you say to her. Not completely. She has a soul, she has a mind, she's intelligent, she has a will of her own, and she can become, under God's grace, anything she determines in God to be. But I am saying, in some part, God's design for the marriage is that you speak into her the things that God has for her. And you can help take her to a level that she would not come to on her own. And she can help take you to a level that you would not come to on your own. And the way that you do it this way, is by the way the husband does it, is by speaking those things to her. Let's go all the way back. The default setting of the man from the very beginning, Adam and Eve, where are you? hiding why we don't have any clothes on how do you know that because we sinned why did you sin it's the woman you gave me now I'm just going to tell you right there you've just learned all that you need to know about the nature of the man sir you just learned all you need to know about your own nature and what you have to do is under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and in the in the tutorage of the truth of God's Word, you have to allow Him to temper you and to fill you and to shape your character so that you might speak God's Word to her. Uh, what happens is, <laughs> men come with reason oftentimes, uh, and oftentimes, it's all, all the time, but oftentimes men come with reason or logic, women come with emotion, and, and, and the man... Come on, guys. You ever get this point? Well, I'm just going to tell you the way it is. Don't you look at me like that. We need an altar call? I'm just going to tell you the way it is. You know why? Because we can't translate that emotion in anything we can understand. (laughs) So we go to cut the chase, and we're fixers, and we're going to solve it. And we're hitting it with a hammer, and our little wife is being crushed. Because we think the issue is the problem and she thinks the issue is her soul. And when we speak to her soul and not to the problem, she rises. And and that's a whole different move. Number four. Present her to himself. It's in verse 27. As a radiant church. And, And I'll ask our musicians to come. Present her to himself as a radiant church. The husband's role is to bring out all of the wife's God-given glory and beauty and talent and ministry and joy. We're not just to live a peaceful marriage, <coughs> but to develop our wives into a joyful, radiant woman of God. I think it's so fascinating that this verse says, present her to himself. Now think about what that means. We know theologically that Christ took the responsibility for the condition of the church by which he would in turn present back to himself. In other words, he didn't say, you're a sinner, fix your own sin. He said, I'll die on the cross for you and cover you, and I'll wash your sins that were scarlet as white as snow. I will present to my father at the end times, I will present to myself at the end times a church without spot or wrinkle or blemish. She will be clothed and covered in the glory of the Father and she will be purified and clean. A bride fit for Christ. We know that theologically. If Christ took on the responsibility for the condition of the bride, then I'm saying to you, this verse says to us husbands, that God has given us the responsibility for the condition of the bride that we present to ourselves. is is she is she worn down is she frustrated is she, does she lack radiance does she lack joy I, again, nobody can take hundred percent responsibility for anybody else but we do have a god given assignment as Christian husbands to pay attention to the joy and the radiance and the emotional mental Complete condition of our wives so that we might encourage and build up and love. If your wife is frustrated, if she's struggling, then bless her. You're not gonna, you can't fix her. Bless her, encourage her, love her, serve her. Think of the ways that you can get into her, involved in her life that will really bless her and she'll begin to shine. Her shine is our responsibility. Now, here's the last one. Verse 28. He who loves him, his wife loves himself. Think about what that must mean. As you love your wife, you love yourself. And you do yourself a great favor. Do you know why? A loved wife blesses her husband. And so really, you and I have a lot of responsibility in the family for the marriage, for the condition of the marriage relationship. We have a lot of responsibility. We have a God-given assignment. You know, looking back now, I've doing this series. I've reflected on Stacy and I's own relationship, (laughs) and if I'm dead honest with you, as I look back, I realize marriage is harder than I thought it would be. Any anybody? When I was like twenty one and and getting ready to get married, I thought it'll it'll be a challenge. I think I think I got this. Looking back, I go, I was an idiot. This is is harder than I thought. It's harder harder than I thought because I needed more work than I thought I did. It's harder than I thought because I thought I'd learn faster. (laughs) This is funny, isn't it? I'm glad you're enjoying this. It's harder than I thought because I thought I could apply what I was learning faster. And here we are... (laughs) You know, well, here we are—the summer on our 18th anniversary next month—and it's—it's—it's it's been a journey. And I was a young, uh, you know, called to ministry, codependent bachelor. Stacy and I got engaged. And 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 I heard about her story. I heard about her mom. I heard about her dad. I heard about how her mom was crippled and how she was raised. And, and my heart was so full of compassion for her. And moving into marriage, I thought, I, I know what my role is. My I, I'm going to rescue this girl. And I'm going to help her and I'm going to be there for her. Whatever she needs, I'm going to be there. And you know what I found out? I found out that she didn't need a savior. She needed a husband. And I found out she didn't need me to rescue her. She needed me to love her. And I found out rescuing her was easier than loving her. Not because who she is. But because. I needed more work than I thought. Being someone's savior. Is easier than being. Than loving someone as Christ has loved you. Because that requires deep change I don't have to change much to rescue you I can just show up and be your hero you can pat me on the back and tell me how great I am and I can go away unchanged but if God calls me to serve you if God calls me to love you if God calls me to forgive you if God calls me to love you the way that he loves me I'm not going to measure up to that the way I am I've got to change and I found out that's that's where marriage is for the husband so stand with me this morning when you and I come together in agreement it's husband and wife and we are in spiritual intellectual and physical agreement that agreement is powerful And it is mighty. And it defeats the work of the enemy. And the darkness that's come against our marriages and families is defeated when we stand in that level of agreement. This morning, what I want to do, husbands, if you're here, just put your hand on your wife's shoulder. Put your arm around her. I want us to pray for our wives today. No surprise, it's going to be very simple. I want you to, you don't have to pray really loud, but I do want you to pray out loud. I want you to pray loud enough for her to hear you. If your wife's not here, I want you to pray for her wherever she is. And I want you to close your eyes now, and what we're going to do (coughs) is just pray simple prayers through those scriptures. And the pattern that I pray by this morning, you can turn to Ephesians 5. 25 and 28 and you can find a prayer list for your wife right there. Sir, close your eyes and let's pray together. Lord, this morning, I want you just to pray something along this way. I cover my wife. I cover her with the unselfish, unconditional love of God. Lord, I pray this morning that you would put in me the sacrificial nature that I need to love her the way that you love me. Lord, this morning, I pray that you would help her and help me to help her to find her God-given assignment, her God-given purpose on earth, outside of our marriage, in the kingdom, in the community. Lord, strengthen her and equip her for that. Lord, today we speak the, the affirmational word of God over her life. You you have formed her, you have shaped her. She is beautiful in your eyes. And Lord, we pray on her your destiny. We pray on her your purposes. We pray today that she she is uh, not, not the tail, she is the head. Lord, you you have purposed her and destined her for greatness. And we call forth this morning her gifts. We call forth her anointing. Lord, we call forth her purposes. Lord, we call forth out of her life the greatness that you have put inside of her as a woman of God Lord this morning we bless her we love her we speak words of kindness over her life and I pray today Lord that you would raise these women up and you would let them shine on the earth Lord that their lives and their minds and their hearts might be filled with joy might be filled with purpose might be filled with passion might be filled with purity might be filled with destiny Lord we speak your purposes over their life today God I pray for myself and every man in this room shape us Holy Spirit by your word and by your power in Jesus mighty name and everybody said Amen God bless you go in peace